This podcast is proudly sponsored by Anilum Pharmaceuticals. Since 2002, Anilum has worked to pioneer RNAi therapeutics, an innovative new class of medicines that silence genes that cause disease, and in doing so, help people live longer, healthier lives. I'm Stan Crook. Welcome to the NLARM podcast series. Today, I'm honored to welcome Dr. John Marganori as our guest. For most of our audience, John needs no introduction. John is one of the best known and most widely admired CEOs in the history of biotechnology. And though John and I were on occasion directly competitive, I count myself as one who admires John immensely. Until late last year, John was the founder and CEO of Alnylam as CEO. He led the conversion of siRNAs from fascinating cell biology to a powerful platform for drug discovery. Um, in addition to all the business successes he had, he has made important contributions to the, to the science. And he's also been very broadly involved in, in the senior leadership of our industry and served as a mentor to many. Uh, John grew up in Chicago and completed his undergraduate studies and PhD at the University of Chicago in 1986 and immediately entered the, the industry, first uh, uh, being a scientist at Simogenetics and then moving on to Biogen, where once again, he demonstrated his, his, his capabilities and advanced steadily. And then on to Millennium and Again, the, the same pattern that's typical of somebody who's so talented and left Millennium as vice president of market and business development. And in 2002, he became the founding CEO of Alnylam and, and the rest, as they say, is history. Today, um, John serves on a number of boards of directors, is involved in several investment funds, in, continues to play an important role in the industry and and continues to serve as a mentor to too many in the industry. John has been a colleague. He's also been a very tough competitor and a friend for good many years. So it's a real pleasure to welcome John Marganoi today. John, it's, a, it's, it's good to see you. It's great to see you, Stan. And, and thanks for all those kind words. You are, you are a, um, uh, an amazing, a colleague and friend, and also a fierce competitor. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we, we'll we'll try not to dwell on that too much here, John. Okay, but we'll absolutely. <laughs> so you know, John, I, I I know your your biographical history well, but but I realized as I was getting ready for this that I really don't know much about your background. Uh, 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 I know your, your your parents were Greek. What, what what sort of family do you come from? Well, you know, my father was a physician and my mother was a nurse. She stopped, you know, being a nurse when you know we were born, so she can raise the kids. But they were immigrants that came to uh, Chicago from Greece and um, brought us up in um, a typical um, you know Greek American household. And, you know, we ate well, of course, and, um, you know, we were motivated by our, by my, by my father mostly and, and my mother to, um, you know, keep trying harder and harder and working harder. But, you know, my father drove my passion for science uh, and medicine. And um, 
My mother, I credit her with giving me the gift of optimism, which um, has been pretty helpful as a CEO, for sure. In biotechnology, when you're pioneering an entirely new technology, um, if you're not optimistic, you don't even try, right? You, you got it. You got it. Very key. Yeah. So um, I, I'm interested in, in when you realize that, that you were interested in not just basic research, but research applied to bringing therapeutics to, to patients. Yeah. I mean, I always loved science, Dan. I, I, you know, was the typical nerd who had the chemistry set, the biology set and did all that stuff. And it was my passion for, for sure. And when I went to the University of Chicago, I, I um, entered a research lab, um, you know, in my sophomore year and started working on, you know, after school hours and on the weekends and basically doing basic research on, on uh, structure function of uh, proteins and enzymology. And I just loved it. I just enjoyed being in a laboratory and, and um, doing things. It, it, it always occurred to me when you were doing science that you know, you're doing something that nobody else in the world is really doing. And you're finding something out um, you know, in, your, in your work that could illuminate the whole um, you know, you know, level of understanding scientifically. So I, I just enjoyed that um, completely. But you know, in um, in 1986, when I when I uh, got my PhD, I went to the Upjohn Company, um, and I went there because my thesis advisor was recruited to the Upjohn Company to basically become one of their early scientists. And I did a postdoc at Upjohn, which really illuminated for me the power of the biotechnology and pharmaceutical industry working together, you know, in a team like manner. To basically identify, you know, potential therapies or cures, um, and it really became my um, uh, my calling at that point in time to stay in the industry and to be driven by what the industry can do. It is a it is an enormously complex and joyous experience that too few people get to experience. Right. You're right. Absolutely right. So I I know that uh, you you. Grew and you grew at both Biogen and, and Millennium, and they're two companies that, at least from the outside, seem very different to me. Um, uh, how would you how would you describe your experience in those two places, and what were the big take home things that uh, put you ready for for doing being so successful out in Island? Yeah. Well, they were really very, two very, very different companies. Of course, Biogen's one of those one of those early pioneers in the biotechnology industry. One of the admired, still independent, um, you know, biotechs. And I went there in in 1987, um, and um, and went there as a scientist, bench scientist, and began doing some early work initially in the HIV field when HIV was just getting up and starting. Uh, I also discovered a, a drug at Biogen that ultimately made it to the market by valerudin, which is a anticoagulant direct thrombin inhibitor. And um, at Biogen, I learned about, I really learned about drug discovery because I, I took this invention. I was the program leader. I led the multidisciplinary team all the way into phase three clinical development. And then in 1994, we decided to stop the development of that program when the phase three trial ended up with mixed results. And it was a, a very important learning experience for me. The drug ended up getting approved in the hands of another company. But for me to actually lead that program and do the drug development was 
um, really one of the funnest things I've ever done to this day. I then transitioned at Biogen into the business side and became the head of business development at Biogen um, for the last three years that I, I, I stayed at Biogen. And at Biogen, Stan, you may remember Jim Vincent. I, I really benefited from that person. You know, may, uh, rest his, may he rest in peace. Uh, but Jim was a um, notorious leader in the industry uh, because of his stubbornness and his thick-headedness. And, but he did teach me about the critical nature of just having a very high bar for everything you do. And um, the, the management skills I learned from Jim um, to this day, I, I think were really very helpful. But then I went to Millennium in 1997 and worked for a, a great visionary leader, Mark Levin, one of the you know biggest thinkers, big, biggest thinking leaders I've ever met um, and, and worked for. Very colorful individual, as you as you know. And um, you know, Millennium was a company that was driven off of a big vision, a big idea. And I learned the the the, the benefits and the challenges of working in a company under that type of uh, that type of roof. Um, but really, was a fantastic experience. Of course, we were focused on the genome and solving the genome and helping make drugs out of out of genomic research. Yeah. Well, it's fascinating experience and very different from mine, of course. I suppose uh, that you would probably agree that that for the last 20 years you've been a, a dream merchant that you've that you've <laughs> that what you did was conceive a dream and sell the potential of that dream and then convert that to you know, the daylight, the reality of actually doing it. Um, talk to me a bit about how that felt. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I um, you know, I, I, I made the decision in, in 19 or 2002 to, to leave Millennium to go start Al Milam as the founding, as the founding CEO. And, you know, Stan, I, um, you know, at the time, I have to say, I was very happy at Millennium. I, I would of, often get, you know, phone calls to go be a CEO, but I was really very happy at Millennium. I love working with Mark Levin. He was a tremendous leader and a, and a friend. But I, I became convinced as, as, you know, the recruiters and, you know, people like Phil Sharp and other people were trying to persuade me to go to Al Milam. I became convinced that if we're able to understand how to make drugs out of these small interfering RNAs that, that I could actually be involved in helping create a whole new class of medicines. And of course, at the same time, I was looking at the scientific progress that was being done at Ionis. And, and you know, ultimately, Al Milam stood on the shoulders of Ionis to be able to advance the medicines that we did. But you know, there was a foundation there of reason to believe in, in, in developing very high-impact medicines. And so I had to take the plunge. I, I remember I was just getting married the same year. I talked to my fiance. I said, look, I think this is going to be the right thing to, to, to do. You know, obviously, you know, she, she was very happy with me doing the transition along with getting married the same very year. Uh, in fact, my, my offer letter for the job was sent to my honeymoon suite in Mauritius. Um, and uh, I was pleased to accept it. Um, but I really believed that with Almylam's technology and what the founders have put together, that we could really create a whole new drug class. And I, I really believe that that joining the company at that time 
would be, um, you know, a remarkable endeavor, and it turned out to be the case. And and of course, you focused meaningfully on rare diseases. Um, your pipeline, of course, is much larger than just rare diseases. What drove yeah. you into the rare disease space, John? Yeah, well, it's driven by the patient, uh, Stan. First and foremost, I mean the the the, the disease burden for people living with a rare disease is, is enormous. And at the same time, there's incredible genetic data that really shines a light on how science can solve the problem. And so when you have this um, um, situation, patient with a rare disease combined with the genetic understanding of how you can treat it, and then you have a technology that can be applied to it, there's nothing else you can do then go down that path. It, 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 it's a guiding light. It's a clear direction of travel that um, you, know, you really have to take on. And we're really proud. We brought three rare disease medicines to the market and we have others in registration right now uh, and in late stage development. But the impact that we've been able to have in some of these rare diseases is really, um, you know, to me, one of the greatest thrills and joys of the Elmylum story for sure. Um, it is a powerful way to, to, to be, to do work and, do, and to feel good about the work you do and you appreciate it outside the industry. I'm sure you would agree. Totally agree. Totally agree. We hope you're enjoying the Enlorum Patient Empowerment Program podcast. We at Enlorum want to provide support to our podcast listeners the best way that we can. There's no better way for us to do that than to ask you directly. Do you have questions you want to ask Stan Crook? Stan will be taking questions directly from you and other podcast listeners and dedicating an entire episode towards answering your questions, AMA style. If you're a nano rare disease patient, family member, friend, physician, rare disease advocate, or you just enjoy the podcast, we want to hear questions from you. Please don't be shy. All questions are important and may end up helping other listeners. So don't miss a great opportunity to get your questions answered by the Patient Empowerment Program host, CEO of Enlorum, and the father of Antisense technology himself, Dr. Stan Crook. To submit a question for the upcoming Q&A episode, email podcast at nlorem.org. That's podcast at n-l-o-r-e-m.org with the subject line podcast question. If you wish to be identified, mention your name in the email. If not, we'll keep your submission anonymous. We can't wait to hear from you. Now back to the episode. Well, I remember... Um, uh, sitting in my office in Carlsbad and you and, and Barry Green showing up um, uh, looking for a license, as I recall. And at that yes. time, there were a lot of other SIRNA would-be companies and we were entertaining proposals from, from all of them. And, uh, and, and then I met you and Barry and I, said, I don't know whether siRNA is ever going to be a drug, but if it's going to be a drug, it will be with these guys. And so we ended up doing that license. Uh, and, and, and then from there, of course, we collaborated on a large, on a large number Absolutely. of things, including uh, co-founding and co-funding uh, Regulus, a microRNA company. So yep. we had a long positive experience, even though, um, 
the, are, we were seen in the in, in in the rest of the world as as direct competitors in in, in terms of yeah. the technology space. Um, but um, you know, I I do think that that working together. Uh, helped us both achieve the ends that we sought to in, uh, to re- to do. Uh, would you say that too? Absolutely, Stan. I mean, the deal that we did back in two thousand and four, and I'll I'll never forget flying over to Carlsbad and visiting with you and Lynn and 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 putting that arrangement together um, was frankly one of the smartest things that we ever did at Almilum because it created, and I think also for Ionis, it created this. Um, I like to call it, you know, Pax Oligo, uh, like the Pax Romana that <laughs> had occurred. But this this sense of, of peace between these two technology competitors, but frankly, two technology pioneers. And it also created this um, remarkable synergy between the companies that allowed us to do some really good science together. We had very frequent engagements with each other, as you know. We started a company together, as you mentioned. Um, we also found ways in which we could avoid, you know, competition with each other on specific programs, which was smart and, 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 a, and, a, and a clever thing to do. Um, but it really was an important arrangement for sure. It, you know, for us to have tried to find a way around the remarkable, um, you know, accomplishments that Ionis had done from an intellectual property standpoint would have cost us years and hundreds of millions of dollars to do it. So it, it made, from a business standpoint, it made a lot of sense. And then at the same time, I think Ionis had a partner in the RNAi space that they can count on and, um, and benefit from. I mean, Ionis uh, benefited economically from our success as well, which is really terrific. So it was a good arrangement, and it was one that I'm really proud of at the end of the day. As am I. And so we did all, all kinds of great stuff together. And then we had a couple of drugs that were directly competitive. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, and, uh, we discovered uh, that we're both uh, really competitive. Oh, surprise. (laughs) Uh, And we had a falling out. Uh, And, um, and, um, you know, and each of us has his own perspective about that. But we didn't talk to each other for for a few years. And as I thought about the patients that we're trying to serve at Enlarm, I realized that I need all the help I could get. You could be an incredibly helpful uh, person for these patients. And, And it made no sense to hang on to whatever bitterness I felt. And, but I was very, very worried. Uh, when I wrote that email to you asking you if you'd like to talk and you were immediately gracious. Um, so I, I know how it felt from my end. What about you? I'll tell you, Stan, I, I, I never, ever um, stopped admiring uh, you. Um, and, and you know that. And I also was watching the Enlorm story from, from afar, from the East Coast and really thought it was powerful. Um, you know, in the Talmud, there's a phrase, uh, whoever saves a single life saves the whole world. And it's a phrase that really comes to mind when I think about what you did in this new effort with Enlorum, because the power of, 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 of treating just a single patient with the disease, 
with the technology that can address it is just is just awe-inspiring. And 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 so I was seeing all this and the, I was excited about what you were doing. So when you reached out, I I I, I was so happy to respond and and um, and get back to you. And listen, when 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 we had this competitive period of two three years together, um, you know, we ultimately got back together. So to me, it reminded me of a big brother and a and a younger brother. They get a fight at the they get into a fight, and but they still come together at the end because they're family. And I really felt the same way as uh, we've now been working together on Enlora. Well, I think we did come together uh, around a family and the family is the nanorare patient. It's the yeah, people exactly. That, and, and in the end, it's vital to these patients that the two of us participate in this because we're the yeah. people who created this opportunity. And so it was certainly, well, I'm, I'm embarrassed that I waited as long as I did. And you've been uh, just extraordinarily helpful already. And, 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 and so um, why don't we spend some time now talking about Enlorum and the patients yeah. and, 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 the, and the model that, that we're, we're, we're proceeding with, which is a nonprofit model and, and how you see all that potentially unfolding. Yeah. Well, listen, I think, I think the, the, starting with the, 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 the power of the technology, the antisense technology and, and maybe other technologies that come into it in the future, but being able to um, selectively design a medicine for uh, a, a patient uh, or a small, very small group of patients with a very discrete um, genetic uh, defect is um, incredibly powerful. Being able to deliver that, achieve a, a desired therapeutic effect, do it safely, and then on top of it, have the regulatory framework, the, the framework from the FDA that enables all that. That's not trivial. Um, you know, the FDA obviously had to think a lot about how does it enable the advancement of these type of medicines for, for patients. So one aspect of it to me is the technology, which is really impressive and, and the regulatory framework for the technology. The other aspect of it is really, the, the, of course, the patient and the ability of giving hope to a patient with a nano-rare disease and a family that surrounds that patient as well. And then frankly, the generations um, of, of other patients with nano-rare diseases who can see what we can do one patient at a time. It is a very powerful thing. And it really does go back to that Talmudic um, quotation that I gave a moment ago about how you can really save um, a, a world by virtue of saving just one life. You bet. And for me, it's very much like returning to the practice of medicine, which I still miss, mm. because it is that intimate experience of one patient, one family, one hope at, at a time. And, um, uh, um, and of course, I'm looking forward to your involvement and um, getting uh, you more involved with some of the patients and families and so on. And We've both been um, trailblazers. Uh, we've both uh, taken an opportunity that was a blank piece of paper and wrote a textbook. And we both then uh, took steps that, that, that meant we were always in uncharted territory. And the, the name that uh, Jefferson gave 
to the Lewis and Clark expedition has always been something I admire a lot. And, and he called it the core of discovery. And uh, I think of in Laura, Mount Island and Ionis as cores of discovery focused yeah. on, on the inner landscape of health and disease and, and, and helping patients. And, um, and, and, and so it's a great, it's a great, uh, tremendous value to these patients to be able to have you on the team and helping us uh, uh, do the things we need to do. And I firmly believe that the next technology that will be ready to, to, to take on this task and in, in, in industrialize this task so that we have quality at every step and, and, uh, and scale will be siRNAs. Uh, yeah. and, and so it also made sense from my point of view that we would that we would bring the two people together who knew those technologies better than anyone else so that when the technology had makes one more step or two then our patients could benefit from that and obviously even though you've retired uh, from Alan Island uh, this this collaboration extends to Alan Island now and yes. there is no better organization to discover an siRNA and develop it than Alnylam. And, you know, I, I don't know exactly when that's going to happen, but it will happen. That's the next thing. Yeah, it will happen. It will happen. And, and Stan, it, it, I, I couldn't agree with you more in terms of how you see it all coming together. And I also, to your point about being on the frontiers of discovery, you know, doing it together with a with a with a colleague, a brother, an older brother, a younger brother, whatever the case might be, it is just that much more powerful at the end. And I and I think that we can bring um, ASO and and sRNA technologies together, help this uh, amazingly important cause, um, and and help first and foremost these patients with these nano rare diseases. Oh, I uh, welcome you to all that and. I guess the final comment that I'll make and leave it open for you to sort of finish is I believe we've made great progress at Inlorn, but what we have left in front of us is an enormous task. And one of the biggest questions that we, we must answer is a nonprofit model like we're developing sustainable. Yeah. And, uh, as you thought about Inlorn, how did you think about solving that and improving indeed that it, it is sustainable, industrializable, and scalable. Well, I think I think it is sustainable, Stan, and, and, and I think you're beginning to prove that it is. One of the ways that it, it, you create sustainability is by creating relationships with other companies, whether it's the Alnylums of the world, but also the clinical trial networks of the world and the and other stakeholders in the system then work with patient groups that, that obviously have a vested interest in advancing medicines for nano rare diseases. So these are all the different communities that, that together we can create. And then with the generosity of philanthropy and others that can contribute, we can do this in a nonprofit manner and, and ultimately deliver cures for, for patients that otherwise have no hope. They really have no hope. They are hopeless. And, and you're right. Uh, hope is a powerful, powerful uh, thing to lose and an important thing to recover, not just for the patient, but for the family. So right. uh, it's been a great pleasure chatting with you. And uh, I, I want to end then 
giving you the floor. Anything that you would like to say to the community that's interested in, in, in what we're doing, the nanorare patients? Yeah. Well, I would just say this. I, 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 I hope that people take a look at what's already been done with Enlorem, but then also think about the power of Enlorem going forward. I, I have no uh, doubt that as people get to understand uh, the stories of, of uh, patients that have been impacted already by Enlorem and then the, the framework that's been put together to help patients going forward, they will truly understand the impact and, and potential power of, of this approach. And so I really encourage everybody out there to take a really close look. Um, this, is, this is a remarkable effort here to help a patient community in a high impact way. That is what we are all about as a biotechnology industry. That's all, what we're all about as scientists and physicians. And it's something which, of course, um, you know, Stan, you have done a, a brilliant job in leading thus far. And I'm happy to be on the, on the boat with you this time and uh, look forward to many years of working together. I do too. And I think it is showing the true heart of our industry. And I know we share that passion, that heartfelt passion to see people who are suffering be better. Agreed. Thanks so much, John, for joining us. And it's been a great privilege to know you all these years and to get to know you a little better in this conversation as well. Terrific. Great, Stan. Thank you so much. This podcast is proudly sponsored by Anilum Pharmaceuticals. Since 2002, Anilum has worked to pioneer RNAi therapeutics, an innovative new class of medicines that silence genes that cause disease, and in doing so, help people live longer, healthier lives. And Lorem is a nonprofit committed to discovering and providing personalized experimental treatments for free for life to patients with genetic diseases that affect 1 to 30 patients worldwide, referred to by Enlorem as nano-rare. Many of these patients progress and die without ever achieving a diagnosis. This is where Enlorem comes in. They do the impossible by providing hope and for those that they can help, free lifetime treatment. For more information about Enlorem or today's episode, visit enlorem.org. Any questions can be sent into podcast at nlorem.org. Search nlorem on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, LinkedIn, and Facebook to connect with us. Please rate and review the podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen. This truly helps us climb the charts and allows others to find the show. This podcast is hosted by Dr. Stan Crook. Our videographer is John Magnuson of Mighty One Productions. Our producers are John Magnuson and Kira Deneen of DNA Today. Thank you for listening. <laughs>